You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. I'm Nate Kading, and this is Real Success. This is the Corridor Business Journal podcast, where we explore the life and careers of the Corridor's most influential business leaders. Kim Lehrman is the CEO of CEC, communications engineering company, a company that has been at the forefront of technology and communications for 75 years. I talked to Kim about the importance of technology trend spotting within an organization, the role of competence and leadership, and sergeant syndrome, what that is and how to move past it. Kim also talks about getting her start in marketing with the Iowa Department of Economic Development, knowing when it's time to step into a CEO role, and the importance of intellectual curiosity. I learned a lot, and I think you will too. Stay tuned. This episode of Real Success with Nate Kading is brought to you by Midwest One Bank. Midwest One Bank is the proud partner for doers and entrepreneurs in the corridor and beyond. As an SBA preferred lender, our team is ready to help you reach your business goals. It's empowered money management. It's Midwest One Bank, member FDIC. Well, thanks, Kim, so much for taking the uh, the time to chat. Um, happy holidays. We're here near the end of the year, and I want to pick your brain a little bit as a, you know an executive here in the corridor region about how you approach kind of the year's end, both from a business perspective and a and a personal perspective. Um, but I kind of wanted to start back kind of near the beginning of your career. I know you have a, a rich history in in marketing with a you know marketing degree here from the University of Iowa, and uh, you know marketing is sort of one of those ambiguous terms. I know it means different things to different people when you throw the, the, the term around, but I was hoping maybe we could just start there and you talk a bit about your, uh, you know, your philosophy towards marketing and how, um, how you approach uh, marketing and business. Yeah, great. Well, uh, thanks for having me, by the way. And marketing at University of Iowa, actually, I was in marketing research. So a very quantitative a start on a marketing background. And I think that that's really important as you look at um, where a business strategy is going, that you have it uh, start with being fact-based. And so how do you learn where the market's going, why it's going there numerically, quantitatively, and then um, you put your magic, your creative spin on what you want to create in that market and um, find that a spot, that positioning for your company, your voice, and your story that really creates something special. That's awesome. That's, that's about as good a succinct answer to that as I've ever heard. But back to the quantitative side, as a kid, were you someone that was always into math and data and those sort of things? Or what, what kind of sparked your interest in that? So um, I would say I'm a nerd at heart. <laughs> and um, was good at school, loved math, loved science, loved writing. I, I just loved being in school and um, actually had a couple of professors at the University of Iowa who took me under their wing and uh, provided me early uh, access to computers. Hmm. Um, I actually did mainframe uh, work on SAS before laptops even came out. Wow. And uh, so I got mentored. Yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. What, um, how about either now or something that's kind of informed that philosophy or other books or particular uh, thought leaders in the marketing world that you've followed or continue to follow that have informed you as, a, as an executive today? So um, I have to tell you from the marketing standpoint, I don't really have a, 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 a favorite 
author or um, thinker, but when you watch the um, market marketing of people like Steve Jobs, or you watch the marketing of um, Andy Groves, and you see how they create something big out of nothing. Yeah. Um, those are the stories that I really key into and look for um, in my career. That's great. So finished up at the University of Iowa. Did you have a you know plan coming out or was there a specific industry you wanted to get into or how, talk a bit about your, your first steps in your career? So um, do you probably don't know this, but in 1983, the unemployment rate was quite high. Um, I want to say it was 11%. And um, I had the opportunity to go to work for the state of Iowa, the Iowa Department of Economic Development, doing marketing research for the state. Hmm. And um, that put me on my path. I felt so great making that first $20,000 salary (laughs) and, um, you know, got me launched. Any, any unique insights in 1983 from the state of Iowa? What, what, were, what was the state marketing back then? The state was marketing uh, buildings okay. and land, which is what, you know, you try to uh, get these large corporations to come put their next headquarters. That's what sure. the Iowa Department of Economic Development did, does. Um, and they were trying to keep, keep people here. And that's still a, an issue for the state of Iowa, right? How do we keep our kids wanting to live in Iowa? And then, so working for the state, how long uh, were you in that job and how long did it take you to jump into the private sector? So I was in that job for about five years. And one of the um, accounts that we had at the Iowa Procurement Outreach Center, which is what I uh, went to uh, in that job, was JTEC Associates. And this gentleman named Ted Johnson, who owned that company, said, you know, Kimmy, uh, you, you are, your path isn't to be a public sector girl. You need to get in the private sector and you need to learn how capitalism works. <laughs> so yet another great mentor. Um, and he, he said something really interesting to me, Kate, Nate, when I was young. He said, um, don't have the sergeant syndrome. He was a World War II veteran okay. and um, actually helped free um, occupied uh, Germany. So wow. um, he said to me, don't be, have the sergeant syndrome, Kimmy. Um, and I'm like, I don't even know what that means. He <laughs> said, don't be the one who's taking orders from somebody and making them happen. Be the general, learn how to make the decisions, That's great. learn how to lead. And, you know, as a impressionable 26 year old woman, mm-hmm. um, having somebody having that faith sure. that you could be that big and have that voice was really awesome. That's great. So did that job, did you immediately kind of go into some of that general mentality then once you went into the, uh, the private sector, have some control over some of your own decisions and some of those things? Exactly. And took that marketing background and launched this uh, little technology company into some new directions and um, really captured some new markets. And it was uh, a great launching pad for the private sector. What a what an awesome career over the last uh, you know twenty some odd years to be riding the the technology wave. I mean, I'm sure you've uh, seen some amazing evolutions over time and been on the on the front end of that wave as well. And I think looking at uh, you know communications engineering company, the, obviously the company that you're the CEO at now, 
um, you know, they've had a lot of transformation over their long history as well. Can you talk a little bit about the importance, especially when you're working in a fast moving industry that, that is on the forefront of technology, just about staying in front of trends and how to, you know, embrace change. And there's a lot of important dynamics at play there. It is. It's exactly right. And so um, we'll celebrate 75 years next year. That's amazing. And so, yeah, what I'm saying is there, I have a 75 year old gem. The technology has changed, transformed industry by industry, you know, over all these decades. What has stayed um, steady are these great people who learn how to apply this technology to real business issues, real community issues, and make that technology help. And um, so I'm super excited about the people that do that. And I've always been excited about that. So as we look at now the next 75 years of you know, where is this company going to be and how do we remain sustainable? It's that um, intellectual curiosity about what's happening from technology and marrying that with where is the, the market going and where are we going to um, play? And it is, uh, we play in security, fire, um, audio, video, we do networking, um, and what's happening, Nate, is those technologies have been sort of siloed in organizations, okay. and now there's really convergence onto the network. And yeah, the integration and the convergence of those technologies is really um, going to be where CEC is going to um, shine. Yeah, that's exciting. And just to go back a little bit, you mentioned intellectual curiosity, which is you know, I'm assuming an attribute that you'd want in, in any of your employees, especially in technology. Do you hire for that that trait? I mean, do you try to uh, actively cultivate it within your organization? Speak a bit about, you know, how do you, it's a qualitative thing, right? You can't really necessarily touch and feel. It's not something that sits on someone's resume, but how do you, how do you develop that within a company or within a person? Yeah, I, I completely agree. So there is no one who works at CEC who walks in off the street that knows how to do what we do. We grow this talent. Um, we call it technical mastery path. Okay. And, um, and there are years and years of working in these systems and in these integrations that allow these technical masters to kind of find their, their voice. And, and then they have to groom our next generation. Um, and, and so it's when it kind of like the electrical or plumbing industry, you mm -hmm. know, where yeah. you bring somebody in and you, you, you teach them up. Yep. Uh, that's really what this uh, business is about. And I'm, I'm so appreciative of the um, people who, who care and can think through those big issues and that want to have that legacy work, that tribal knowledge um, maintained retained in the folks that they bring along with them. It's, it's really cool. How do you design that kind of, um, you think you're talking about some sort of, you know, mentorship program within where, you know, you're working on that technical mastery path and there's someone there that's been there and walked, walked to that path several steps ahead. Is that, how do you design that within the company? Are you, you have specific people, that's all they're doing is mentoring or every, everyone mentors everyone else. And how do you incentivize that? How do you, how do you design that into the company? 
So we design it in with career paths. So somebody um, comes in as a, you know, technical um, person and maybe be 18, 19 years old and they start installing systems and then they start getting um, certifications. Each one of these technologies has um, both regulatory compliance and then um, the, the partner certifications that you need to get to get through to become a master. And so um, these career paths are designed specifically to say, you know, kind of what, where are you going to go? Do you want, do you want to be a people master? Do you want to run crews? Do you want to, you know, lead a group or do you really want to be the, the person who knows the most about this particular platform in our company? Sure. You have people, that are specifically tasked within the company to do the look ahead for, I'm assuming in technology, that's even more important. I mean, part of what you guys are doing, um, you know, with, with your model to manage services and needing to be on the forefront of all these new changes, how do you stay ahead of the head of the bouncing ball, so to speak? I mean, that's kind of what your clients are relying on you guys for to a certain extent. How do you, again, how do you sort of design that into your, into your company to make sure that you're the, you know, on the forefront of all the, all the new technologies that are coming out? So um, as I uh, started in the company a year and a half ago or so, um, we started, we have a technology steering committee and I have a VP of technology who's, who is working on calling, you know, here are all the things that are happening yeah. in, in terms of trend and what, where are we going to go to, um, you know, flex our muscle, where do we think the next set of revenue is going to come through? And then what could, you know, sweep us, right? What would make us irrelevant? And um, we, this technology steering committee is some of the top technologists in the company. Um, And we, we gather on a monthly basis and we say, hey, we've been thinking about or looking at So one of the um, new technologies that we're working on is CBRS, which is a new network uh, protocol Mm -hmm. that is coming out to it. It's uh, rides alongside a Wi-Fi network, for example. And so we're early in tested it. We're um, the folks that are doing that are thinking about where is the best application of this new technology why would this be important in the marketplace Mm -hmm. and then we productize it from there okay that's fascinating fascinating stuff i'm sure never never a dull moment dull it is not that's for sure (laughs) yeah talk a bit about your journey as a as a leader um you know as a ceo how you've grown over the course of your professional career where uh if you were if you were talking to your yourself 15 years ago uh, you know, 15 year ago self, like what, what sort of advice would you give yourself then that you, that you, that you know now that you didn't know then about being a leader, about, about, uh, you know, leading a, leading a company towards success? So um, I feel like the best leaders are the folks that are constantly working on themselves because when you're working on yourselves in a conscious way, you can help other people be conscious of their next step. And so I, I, 15 years ago, my confidence in listening to my own voice um, wasn't as high. 
And I wish that 15 years ago, I would have uh, had that, had more confidence in who I was and what I could accomplish. What, what built that confidence? Was it just time and accomplishments and you, you were able to grow more confident over time or were there specific things or tools that you started uh, implementing or what, what built that confidence? So it's the work that I put in on myself mm -hmm. to say, this is really my journey. This is my path. And, you know, I'd say, I don't think I should be, I don't think I'm going to be a CEO. I'm going to be a, you know, vice president. And, you know, I got, I was a vice president and I succeeded at that. And then I was a president and I succeeded at that. Um, but you really have to uh, have the mirror up to say, what is your potential? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of people are never given a perspective of what their potential is. Mm -hmm. And so once you see that and you say, I'm, I'm going to go for this, it's good. Right. Could you point back to a moment in your career when you said, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a CEO. That's something I, that I want to be. And was there a kind of a big turning point in that journey for you? Um, so I was a president for a while, and I always underestimated my ability for um, creating strategy and vision. Hmm. And when I was asked to do this um, job, I'm like, I had so much um, energy around where this company was going. It's like, I I'm ready. Yeah. You know? So it's great. That's awesome. Um, you know, speaking of kind of energy and, and looking out of what, where things are going, um, you know, this is always, you know, for me is, uh, you know, a fun time of year, both in business and personally, because you can, uh, you know, take a, take a step back near the end of the year around the holidays and, and, uh, you know, take assessment of take stock and the success of the, of the year that's just coming to a conclusion, but then also the, all the excitement about what, what lies ahead for the next year. Um, you know, and it's been such a, dramatic year on a, on a variety of fronts for, for all of us, not only in business, but personally with, uh, you know, 2020 and the pandemic and social unrest and, and, a, and a variety of other things. Um, as a leader, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how you approach um, year's end and how you communicate uh, the success of the year back to your team and, and how you guys approach um, goal setting and, and planning for the coming year as well. So we started our 2021 planning back in August. Um, I, again, it takes time to think about, you know, again, this intellectual curiosity about what's really happening. And you have to have some creative um, right brain time mm -hmm. to mull things through and see where kind of things are going so you can look out to two years or three years. So we started in August. Um, we spent a lot of time in the last quarter working with our middle management team on uh, communicating and aligning against that strategy so that everybody understands what we're getting ready to kick off in 2021. So lots of communication around that. Um, I feel like the big work right now is alignment. Um, because things are changing so quickly and the market and the economy is, um, you don't know what's going to happen next quarter. Right. I wish I felt really positive. I don't want, no. We all, we all wish we knew, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> right. And so what I, I said is the only thing we can show up is as an aligned and flexible organization. That's great. Ready, ready to run fast against wherever the market's going. 
And um, our team this year, Nate, uh, really under all the duress that, the, that was put on our team, we coalesced around our strategy and the big rocks that we were moving forward and, you know, got things done in a, a most peculiar way. I mean, it was just odd. Yeah. And now for 2021, I think the first half of the year is going to be equally as odd. And so I just want to make sure we have that alignment yeah. with the team. The other thing that we did, um, we went through and did a shout out to for half an hour of all the things that happened during the year. Yeah. The individual accomplishments. That was really fun. Yeah. I think, you know, this is certainly a time of the year, the, the season for, for gratitude and acknowledging, you know, the extra, extra work that everyone's done, you know, through the pandemic and, and, and all that. It's a gift the holidays give us and the, you know, and the end of the year gives us as well is that ability to kind of take a, take a breath, <laughs> relax yeah, and, and, be, and take stock of what we're all thankful for. How about at the, Personally, at the at the Lehrman House or Lehrman family, what's the what's a holiday end of year kind of celebration look like for you guys? So we have a tradition on Christmas Eve of making a big dinosaur tongue dinner. Okay. <laughs> and dinosaur tongue uh, came about when Bruce was cleaning off a beef tenderloin when the boys were little, like call it three and five, and yeah. they said, "What's that, Dad?" And he said, it's dinosaur tongue. And he ran around the kitchen pretending he was licking the kids with the dinosaur tongue. So <laughs> we do that every Christmas Eve. That's awesome. That's great. Um, we like to end all these interviews with uh, just some quick, quick rapid fire questions, get a little bit of a, you know, glimpse into, into you, Kim, as a, as a person. Um, if you were to look back on your career, how much of your success would you contribute to luck versus hard work? Uh, I would say 70% hard work, 30% luck. Okay. I like it. Uh, if given the chance, uh, what profession other than your own would you most like to attempt? I would be a professor. Okay. And what, what subject? Communication. Awesome. You have a, a business leader either locally or nationally that's, that you've looked up to that, uh, that you've kind of tried to model yourself after? Bruce Lehrman. <laughs> I like it. Bruce is great. Um, favorite, uh, how about podcast or TV show? Just something non-businessy that you're into these days. I listen to NPR every morning and really find that to be a source of truth. Great. Do you have a, any sort of motivational quote, something that's important within at CEC or just for you personally? Um, I like the quote, be the change you want to see in the world, Gandhi. That's great. And yeah, don't talk about it, be about it, right? That's awesome. Um, if you could tack on 30 extra minutes in a day, what would you do with it? So I would like to have more time to think and be creative. Okay, great. Uh, how about a business book? Is there one that's either on your nightstand now or something that's been influential throughout your career? I love the book by um, Marcus Buckingham called First Break All the Rules. It is about growing talent and managing people. And that really helped me uh, figure out who I wanted to be as a leader. That's great. 
And one, uh, and then finally, um, question I like to end all the interviews with is just in one sentence, how do you define success? Consciously being on your path every day. That's great. That consciousness is certainly important. I really appreciate it, Kim. Um, enjoy the, enjoy the holiday season and the end of the end of the year here. Thank you so much for taking the time and, um, Thanks, Nate. Yep, look forward to catching up here again soon. This episode was produced by Joe Coffee of Coffee Grande Studios. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal.